Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, September 27th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. I'll be joined by Steve Hellwagon and Patrick Murphy in just a moment. We're going to give our assessment of where the Buckeyes are after four games. We're already one-third of the way through the regular season. Um, how are the Buckeyes doing after, um, you know, after four games? Are they where we think they would be? Are they ahead of where we thought they would be? Uh, we're going to get into all that. I do want to let you guys know about one of our great sponsors I've been telling you about, Jonathan Green, Grass Seed, and they have a message for you guys. Hey there, Bucknuts Morning 5 listeners. It's fall, which means two things. It's football season and it's lawn care season. Fall is the best time to overseed your lawn, so if you haven't already, now is the perfect time. We recommend Jonathan Green Black Beauty Grass Seed because it's naturally dark green in color, has roots that can grow up to four feet deep, and is super drought tolerant. With over 130 years of experience, Jonathan Green is a name you can trust for superior lawn care products. They only sell the highest quality grass seed on the market. And here's the best part, Buckeye fans. are offering you 10% off your order on jonathangreen.com. So head over there now and use code BUCKNUTS10 at, check, at checkout. Plus, Jonathan Green does not only sell grass seed. They carry everything you need to create the perfect outdoor oasis. From lawn fertilizers, weed controls, soil amendments, and spreaders, they've got you covered. So don't wait any longer. Make your neighbors green with envy and turn your lawn into a showstopper with Jonathan Green Lawn Care products. Visit jonathangreen.com. Use coupon code BUCKNUTS10 to get 10% off your order of grass seed, lawn fertilizers, weed controls, and more. Jonathan Green, quality lawns since 1881. All right, let's bring my guys in here. Steve Hellwagon, Patrick Murphy. Welcome, gents. All right, let's get down to brass tacks here. Um, Steve, we'll start with you. Uh, Buckeyes one-third of the way through the regular season. Four games in. Is this about where you thought they'd be? Did you think they'd be better, worse? What's your assessment of this team so far? Yeah, it's been a little bit wonky, obviously, uh, you know, getting from zero and zero to four and oh. But uh, I did figure that they would win the first four games, certainly. I mean, the first three were, you know, obviously in the bag, you know, months ago. But uh that fourth one, boy, oh boy, that was uh, quite a standoff they had with Notre Dame. And that was just, you know, one of these just, uh, you know, two talent equated teams that were just dead even with one another and um, just a, a great football game in Ohio State, as it turns out. When the game ended, Ohio State had three more points than uh, Notre Dame did. And, and Ohio State's been on the wrong end of so many games like that. Uh, like the Clemson game back in 2019 and the Georgia game last year where you felt like Ohio State was the better team but didn't win the game. This time, I mean, you could argue which team was the better team, but Ohio State obviously won the game. 
And uh, in some of the statistical, uh, you know, ways that you look at it, Ohio State had the edge. It was it was just a great game back and forth, and and Ohio State won. So, uh, as I titled the chat that I did yesterday, it's better to to learn some lessons in victory than in defeat. And uh, if they can correct the things that went wrong in that game and in the previous games during this open week and, and work on those areas, and I don't think you're ever going to fully fix everything, but uh, to work on the areas they're still a little bit deficient and improve, then they've got a chance to keep going on the path that they're going. So I would say they got here, not necessarily the way that I thought they would get here, but uh with a couple wonky games at the beginning, and then, man, that was that was an instant classic on Saturday. So uh, they survived, and as we said, better to learn the lessons in victory than in defeat. Patrick, where are you at? You feel like this is about where the Buckeyes would be after four games? You think they'd be better than this, worse? Just where are you at after four games? Yeah, similar thoughts to what Steve said. Like they got to the place that I think we all expected them to be, four and zero here, and and in a good spot going coming out of this off weekend and into big 10 play. I, I don't think this is how, as Steve kind of said, any of us envisioned it going. I think we all expected there to be some hiccups, maybe early on offensively, the defense to be better, uh, which I think are both correct. I just, you know, I thought the running game would be more productive than it's been. Um, and, and obviously the numbers aren't terrible, but I think how they got there in you, know, you like Saturday, you have one big run. The rest of the runs are, are pretty pedestrian. Um, I thought that this offensive line might come together a little bit quicker. Now, give them credit on Saturday. They were pretty good pass blocking. The The run blocking is still where my area of concern is, not getting the push that you see other teams getting. Uh, Notre Dame got, got plenty of push on Saturday. Um, defensively, I really like what they're doing in the secondary I thought it was interesting to see Jim Knowles change things up much less aggressive Saturday, just kind of sat back a little bit. He did blitz some, but sat back and, and didn't want to give up those big plays, kept everything in front of them, made the tackles. And I think that made a, a big difference in one of those matchup games. So they're doing things differently, how it projects out. And I'm sure we can, we can discuss that. I don't know, but yeah, like Steve said, it's it's getting to the same point that we all thought, 4-0, in a good spot in the rankings and all that. Um, I, I think this team still has a lot of talent and a lot of potential. It's just going to be important that this continues to be growth and there, there aren't setbacks in that development throughout the course of the year. Let's focus on the offense now, then we'll get to the defense in a moment. Um, we'll narrow it down a little bit. Steve, the offense, um, we've had some comments. I mean, you mentioned that the teams look clunky. The offenses sure look clunky. As Sue mentioned, we're used to seeing the Buckeyes, you know, ranked in the top three every year in offense, and they're they're struggling a little bit. Um, where are you at with this offense? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I agree with Pat. The running game uh, was not what it needs to be. Uh, when you take out the 61-yard run, they averaged about two and a half yards an attempt, and that's just not very good. So, yeah, you hit one big one. And uh, that was great. Uh, they didn't run the ball that effectively in the other games, to be honest with you, although I think that there was a concerted effort to try and get Kyle McCord going with the pass game. And, and he's honestly played three pretty good games after the first one was kind of uh, disjointed a little bit at Indiana. But, uh, you know, I think pass protection has been okay. Um the tight end, Kate Stover, has done outstanding. 
Uh, Harrison and Ibuka, other than the first game, have been uh, forceful and, and very important, very impactful. Um, I, I, it's just kind of hard to put your finger on what what's missing. You know, it's just not as dynamic. I, I don't know. It, it It's just a hard thing to describe. I think each game it's been something a little bit different. And obviously some of the short yardage situations, I mean, if you convert at the 11-yard line and score a touchdown there – convert at the one-yard line and score a touchdown there, the result of that Notre Dame game is muchly different. So, uh, you know, and you're, you're thinking about it in different terms. You're talking about how dominant they were as opposed to, and I wouldn't even say lucky that they, you know, got through it. I mean, they they gutted the game out. I mean, they, they finished the game off. They gutted it out, whereas the other team didn't. So, um, you know, they deserve all the credit in the world for that. But uh, there's room for improvement. Let's just say that. There is uh, uh, there is time for them to continue to try and click on all cylinders. They really only did that for the Western Kentucky game, I would say. I think the others were, were a little disjointed, to be quite honest with you. And some of that's the play calling. On Saturday, I looked at some of the play calls, you know, the fourth and 11 or fourth and one at the 11, you run an end around to the short side and you have two guys trying to block three and a fourth guy comes over the top and and he loses yards on it. You don't, you're afraid to go straight ahead for a foot. I mean, I, I mean, afraid's my word. I I don't know what, what word you put in there. Third and goal at the one. You'd be sneaking there. Yeah, third goal at the one, you put a guy who's never played a down of offensive football at this level in there. And to his credit, Caden Curry did hit his block. Uh, Luke Montgomery was the extra blocking offensive lineman. He hits his block, but nobody else did. And they got swarmed under, and Mayan Williams didn't gain anything. And then Josh Perry, this was really funny. I'm driving back on Sunday morning listening to him on Sirius. Barrett Salih, Tom Luganbill. On Sunday morning, Ari must listen because they are going to shoot you straight on exactly what happened, what we all saw on Saturday. They will tell you exactly what they saw. And they had Josh Perry on, and Josh says, Let me get this straight. On fourth down, you put three tight ends in the game and you bring back the play from Indiana that didn't work. You know, the fourth down rollout where Trianum got tackled and they had nobody to throw the ball to. And so the most crucial moment of the season, you bring that back and let's try that again. So that was pretty hilarious. I thought when he put it that way and obviously it didn't work. I mean, those tight ends, you know, they weren't getting open in that situation. So yeah, it, it was a little wonky, a little messy, but again, so much room for improvement for this offense and Kyle McCord, I think is just starting to scratch the surface of what he's capable of doing. And, you know, I will say this, Joe Germain let Ohio State on a last-minute touchdown drive in the Rose Bowl in 1996, and you always waited in the next two and a half, next two seasons when that was going to happen again. It never really did. And Michigan State, 98, was a perfect example of how it didn't get finished off after that. So hopefully McCord is going to take that moment and build on it and not rest on it. Pat, where are you at with this offense? Yeah, I mean, Steve covered a lot of ground there. Look, I think if specifically touching on some of those plays in the Notre Dame game that that a lot of people were frustrated about, they are strange, no doubt. 
I think we view them very differently if they work though, right? If, if Caden Curry leads the block that, that gets them into the end zone, or if I think the biggest issue on that play action play wasn't that they ran the same play. In fact, it was a little bit different. You had Joe Royer, who was going to be the second guy coming across and G Scott and uh, K, Cade uh, uh, Stover going to the outside, which is where the play ended up. I think that the play action was designed to get Joe Royer open in the back of the end zone. And he tripped, you know, similar to chip train which, which still doesn't work for you. But like, I like the idea there. If you're going to go play action, I didn't get why Caden Curry was the like wrinkle in the play before that um, the jet sweep on fourth down. I think that's a fine play. Cause you got nine yards on it earlier, but if you're going to claim toughness after the game and you want to be a physical team, well, Run up the show you can run up the middle there and then do it again on on the last play of the game, essentially the last play of the game. Uh, maybe do it against a team that has 11 players. But uh, overall, I think that they are still very much trying to figure out what this offense is with this group. And it's not just you have a new quarterback in Kyle McCord, who I think has been good, not great to this point, and and can show has shown that he has the potential to get there, but has missed on some throws, and and there's been some some other issues. Um, but the offense offensive line, I mean, you, you need to be able to hit those short yardage things, and if that's been an issue for a while, but you've had C.J. Stroud the last two years, who has made up for some of that. You haven't been in maybe as many short yardage situations. You can throw more comfortably on second and eight or so as. Uh, I read something the other day how, about how much they're running on on these second down plays that, you know, and they even talked about it on the broadcast a year ago, they probably throw on some of those. So I think it's, you know, the, the potential is there, but because of some of these issues in, in key positions or de- development being needed in some of these key positions, maybe you're not seeing it reach its potential yet. Um, I think the bye week comes at a good time because you do have this film. And as Steve said, you do it from a, a place of strength, having won the game to go back and kind of assess yourself. What have you been doing and then figure out what can be better going forward. Patrick, we'll stick with you on this one. Let's look at the defense. I've been impressed with the defense overall. Obviously they haven't been perfect. They give up the 96 yard drive to Notre Dame, but Notre Dame has a good offense. I've been impressed overall with this defense. Where are you at with the defense? Yeah, certainly. Look, I mean, you're sitting at the top of, of two of the major defensive statistics. And I know that's not the end all be but Eight and a half points a game. I think most Buckeye fans, you told them through the first four games, yeah, you didn't play the most elite offenses. Western Kentucky was decent. Notre Dame was pretty solid coming in. Um, but I think you'd take that. How Again, how you've gotten there has been a little weird. I think you have Denzel Burke, who's probably been your best defensive player. I think Tyleek Williams has emerged probably as the second best defensive player in terms of his impact, at least. I think he's kind of taken over what most people would have guessed is Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, maybe Michael Hall um, with some of the plays he's made. So those are positives. I think the linebacker play maybe hasn't ratcheted up as much as I thought it would from a year ago. I I, I don't want to say it's plateaued, but um, they've been good, not great. Now they're doing some different things. They've been asked to do some different things. It was interesting seeing more Cody Simon on Saturday against Notre Dame. Um, I'm still waiting for the breakout of Lathan or of, excuse me, Sonny Styles. He has been on the field less than I expected, to be honest, just because we heard all about his versatility. Now, some of that has to do with the play of Jordan Hancock, and I like what they've got, bringing him in at the nickel position. Um, 
need more pressure up front. Uh, I went back and looked at the Notre Dame game and, and there was more, they, they impacted things a little bit more than I initially realized watching it live, especially towards the end there, but still just they've got to win at a higher rate. I think I looked last night, according to pro football focus, I think against Notre Dame, JT Tuamalau won 13% of his, uh, his battles with the offensive linemen and Jack Sawyer won 8%. Maybe I have that backwards, but something along those lines. And I know you're going against two really good tackles there, but these are supposed to be two of the best defensive ends in the country. Um, I thought we'd see more from Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson. So that's probably the most concerning thing. Now they figured out other ways to generate pressure. They brought some blitzes still. They're doing things where they bring the linebackers and, and either drop the defensive ends or like we saw on Saturday, they've dropped the defensive tackles a couple times into coverage, which is interesting. You, you don't get more pressure that way, but it comes from different locations. So figuring out ways to still get some pressure, but I just like to see more, but all in all, you know, I feel like you couldn't ask for a better in terms of the results from the defense. Yeah, Steve, same thing. I mean, I know people want more pressure on the quarterback, including myself, but overall I'm happy with his defense. Um, you know, get into the pass rush, but also get into like how you feel overall about this defense through four games, Steve. Yeah, I feel like I Pat's recap of my offensive discussion. I think Pat covered a lot of the high points on the defense. Um, I think up front has been just okay. I think they've been pretty good against the run and uh, just okay with the pass rush. Obviously, they're not sacking the quarterback. It, you know, they had one this past week, and uh, I think they had one this past week, and then uh, only five in the three weeks before that. So, uh, you know, not many to speak of, but uh, the pressure has been pretty consistent and pretty steady. It definitely impacted the Western Kentucky game, the pressure, even if they didn't sack the quarterback. Um, so you covered a lot of the high points. People came out of this game, you know, saying that Steel Chambers didn't play good at linebacker. I think what they were caught up in was, you know, maybe he was in coverage on some of the tight ends and their tight ends made, you know, you know, a number of really nice catches and, you know, he just, he was there. It just, you know, their guy made a play. So I, I don't know if that's what people saw with Steel, or maybe he was getting swallowed up and, and wasn't making tackles. I, I, you know, me being there watching it live, I didn't notice that he wasn't having that great of a game. Uh, he and Tommy had played really well the week before against Western Kentucky. And this week it rolled to the safeties. The safeties had to be there and run support and uh, ransom and styles and uh, Proctor all had big tackle numbers in this game. To me, the secondary has made a quantum leap and I, have to give Tim Walton and Perry Eliano props for that. Uh, they took a lot of crap last year with how bad the secondary was. And, uh, you know, they deserve the credit for coaching those guys up. It's, it's, and obviously they've got uh, some better talent that they're working with there with Davis and Igbenosin and uh, Hancock, I think is a definite upgrade. And uh, Burke is playing like an all big 10, all American type player. Uh, Ransom is playing out of his gourd right now as well. Uh, just starting to scratch the surface on Sonny Styles. I think he just needs reps. He just needs time to, to really feel his way through. But, um, you know, on the whole, I would say the defense has been an A minus. The offense has probably been a B plus. And, uh, you know, are there areas, obviously the pass rush is an area, you know, making negative plays, you know, putting the other team behind in down a distance. 
I thought Hartman was going to have a bigger impact on this game than he did. And I think Notre Dame fell in love with the running game and Audric Estime for some reason. And um, other than like one 22-yard run, he really was not all that effective. And for Hartman to only throw for 175 yards and no pre- no no sacks, I mean, there was some pressure, um, that tells me that nobody was open. And I don't have the all 22 tape to prove it, but it seems to me that that Notre Dame's wide receivers have put up all these numbers and, you know, seven, eight guys catching passes and everything. Well, seven, eight guys all caught passes. They all caught one. You know, I mean, it was like they were just – they held them down. And I that's the credit to the secondary, in my opinion. I think they won that game for Ohio State. Stick with us. Patrick and Steve and I are going to talk Marvin Harrison Jr. in just a moment. We're going to talk Ryan Day getting fired up, firing at Lou Holtz. We're going to get into all that. We'll let you guys know about one of our other great sponsors I've been telling you about, Factor Meals. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can, ha- can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, you'll eat well, and you'll stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality that you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash bucknuts50 and use code bucknuts50 to get 50% off. That's code bucknuts50 at factormeals.com slash bucknuts50 to get 50% off. It's good stuff. I like it a lot. 50% off is a heck of a deal, too. All right. Marvin Harrison Jr. We've had a couple of questions about that. We don't really know yet, but you guys can kind of say what you're hearing. Now, I was worried he was going to be done for the season. I was like, great, here we go. Two straight years, Buckeyes lose their number one receiver against Notre Dame for the season. Then he comes back in the game. Do we know if it's a regular ankle sprain or a high ankle sprain yet? I I haven't heard anything definitive on it. I will tell you this. uh, He got injured. He went into the tent, and uh, Braden – Moles from Buckeye Sports Bolton was sitting next to me and he stopped watching the game and he was like this <laughs> with his binoculars looking at the tent. <clears throat> and it was probably five or six minutes. Notre Dame had the ball seven and forever. a half minutes. He was in the tent for seven and a half minutes. Seven and a half minutes. Notre Dame had the ball forever. And so I'm thinking he's done written him off for the game. I'm writing my story and he had to leave the game, you know, whatever. Well, come to find out he didn't miss a single play because Notre Dame had the ball forever. He had time to get out of the tent, come out and jog up and down, whatever, and then finally went back in the game on the next series. I think that had to be a tremendous lift for his teammates to see that their warrior was right there with them. And, uh, you know, he made some nice plays after the injury. So how much impact did the injury have? A little bit, but – Man, it looked bad. It looked like his ankle buckled or something. You know, his lower leg buckled a little bit on that uh, on that play. But it was pointed out to me that these guys do plyometrics so much that the ligaments can stretch to a degree without tearing or, you know, straining. So perhaps that's what's in play here. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think he gave them an emotional lift as much as anything by being out there on the field and – um 
you know, um, there's something to be said, plus and minus the way that Ohio State has employed its personnel. I mean, this was 11 guys on both sides of the field that basically went the distance. And, man, over a 14-15 game season, there's going to be some guys breaking down and wearing down if they continue this pace. So hopefully they can get some of these games in the weeks ahead in the bag and, uh, you know, get these guys some rest because, uh, man, it, that, that, that was a war that they just went through at Notre Dame. Good for him to have a week off, I'll say that. Yeah, bye week comes at a good time, I think, for the team mentally and, and for Marvin. Yeah, Patrick, I don't know if it's as simple as saying, well, he's able to come back in, so it's not a high ankle sprain. I mean, it could have been adrenaline. Um, who knows? I mean, we didn't have the Ryan Day press conference yesterday. We're going to talk to some players after practice today. Um, so maybe we'll glean some information tonight. But I guess my my gut reaction is, you know, at least he was able to come back in and be effective. I don't know. I'm, I'm just hoping it's not a high ankle sprain. Certainly seeing him come back in the game was the most important thing at the time. And I wouldn't say that he was limited in the game. Um, I do think like they, they took that deep shot to him shortly after he'd come back in. I think a healthy Marvin Harrison gets there because I thought it was a pretty well-thrown ball. Um, I did think maybe if he's a hundred percent, he's able to, to do a little bit more later in the game. Uh, but I thought he looked pretty good and I was on the field down in that end zone where Ohio State ends up scoring. And, and I took a few of the plays to watch him. And he seemed to be moving okay. After the game, he did have a, a big thing of ice taped around that ankle, but it was you know on the ankle. It didn't seem to be higher up. Now, I'm not any sort of medical professional, but to me, that's a positive. And he was walking around. You know, they didn't have him on a scooter. They didn't have him in a boot. So I think that's good. How he came out of it, though, is going to be important. Obviously, as you said, the, the off week is – comes at a good time, but you know, I, I, I don't think they're out of the woods. He certainly has to make it through this and show that he can go out there and be Marvin Harrison. Now I do think it's interesting. Just last week, he told us uh, during media availability that he played last season with a ankle sprain throughout the year that he, he picked up early on. And so he said he wasn't able to, you know, do some of the, the routes the way he'd like. He had to chop a little bit more to decelerate. So he's kind of been through this already. And, Look, that doesn't mean that he's he's going to be the same player, um, but I do think the fact that he's experienced at least a similar injury means that he might be able to hand it be- better, handle it better than somebody who has not. Um, you know, you obviously still want him to come through healthy, and, and hopefully, it's nothing serious. He can get out there and be as close to 100 percent as anyone is, Maryland. But look, they're going to need him. I mean. Maryland comes in undefeated with a high-flying offense. You have to go at Purdue, which is never easy for Ohio State. Then you're Wisconsin or Penn State at home at Wisconsin. I mean, the next game where you might be able to get starters out, like Steve was talking about, Rutgers at home in early November. I mean, it's this is not an easy stretch for Ohio State coming out of this this weekend. All right, let's get into the um, Ryan Day, Lou Holtz stuff. Um, Steve, what just what's your what's your take on that? Did you like seeing Ryan Day kind of go off? Did you think it was maybe more about other stuff other than just Lou Holtz? Maybe that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Just break all the uh, the Ryan Day, uh, Lou Holtz stuff down for me. Yeah, I think you saw a lot of emotion spilling out of the coach after the game on NBC and, and Catherine Tapp, and she uh, he was venting his spleen, and she was there holding the microphone, and, uh, you know, their producers, you know. She asked him about Kyle McCord, and he went off. Yeah, he went. He, he went, didn't even uh, hear the question. 
he went he uh, he went he went to town and uh he had something he, that he wanted to get off his chest and this is something that people have held against ohio state since uh two years ago at michigan just how soft the team is and how they lack toughness and whatever and you know that's all open to interpretation i think in this game both points were proved uh, that they are soft and that they're not soft. So, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, you, can you be soft in some aspects of the game, but not soft in other aspects of the game? I don't know. But um, I think it was great that he backed his players to the hilt. And I think within the locker room, he earned a lot of respect, I think, uh, for the way that uh, he stood behind his players and uh, said, you know, this is a misnomer. Our guys are tough. We just proved it. We just showed you. We put it in the end zone to win the game on the last play. And, uh, you know, um, the victor goes to the spoils. And I think uh, that's that's true in this case. But this was just one battle. The war ain't been won yet, boys. And uh, they got a long way to go. And uh, they got to play better if they expect to beat Penn State and Michigan. Let's just put it that way. You can't misfire on fourth and goal at the one. You can't misfire on fourth and one at the 11. You, you got to convert those if you want to be the national championship team. So let's just shoot everybody straight here. They, they, got, they got a ways to go. So uh, glad he backed his guys. I'm sure they appreciated it. And, you know, there's a time and place. And people will say, oh, he's beating up on an 86-year-old man. Well, you know, I don't necessarily see it that way. I mean, Lou Holtz is one of the great figures in the game and, and has been for 50 years. His, his, his voice carries a lot of cachet, even at this advanced age. He used to be on ESPN every week, and people, you know, hung on every word the guy said about their team. So he did, you know, have that credibility for a long time as a commentator on the sport. I mean, is, has the sport passed him by at this point? Probably. But, you know, I, I'm i not wrapped up in what he said. I, I think what Coach Day, you could argue whether he handled it properly or not, but he, he, he definitely, in my mind, erred toward defending his players, and that's what a great head coach will do. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think uh, the players are going to like that and they're going to respond to it. I don't need Day going off every game like that. It's so out of character for him. But I liked it this one time, Patrick. Ohio against the world. What would you think of it, Patrick? I wish he would go off, not necessarily like that, but that was the most candid he'd been in a press conference in some time. He was he was willing to talk about basically everything. He said Marvin sprained his ankle. He got up to leave, and then somebody was like, oh, real quick about the defense. He's like, oh, yeah, I got to talk about, you know, he just wanted to talk. Uh, he thanked us for being there. It was it – was, Jerry's uh, trying to wrap him up, and he looked at him and goes, no, no. We've we've got time. Yeah, we, I'm gonna talk about the time. Defense. The place is not gonna leave without me, Jerry. Um, yeah, he wanted to talk to us. Like an which, old Rick uh, Flair interview. Don't don't wrap me up. Yeah, but <laughs> look, I think you you said it, Dave. I think Lou Holtz and Ryan Day can both have points here. I think what Lou Holtz is talking about is physicality in the trenches, things that we've already addressed. You know, getting those fourth and ones, like Steve said, that's the thing that Ohio State still lacks. Uh, they, they haven't recruited offensive linemen. They haven't been able to find that power running back, though I think you have it in Chip Trainum if you just give him the ball more. Um, you've recruited talented quarterbacks, and you've rec recruited wide receivers. Now, they can be mentally tough and be able to win a top-10 game on the road and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Georgia last year when Ryan Day's fired up like that. I think that's what Ryan Day is talking about when he talks about 
toughness. Um, and I think you can be a successful team, not a finesse team, but be a successful team that relies on your playmakers a bit more. I mean, look, that fourth, that fourth down or the, the touchdown play at the very end works because they have their wide receivers, Marvin Harrison and Mecca Buka lined up to the right. They run that play to the left. So Notre Dame's defense is all shifted towards that right side. Now they obviously had one less guy on the field, but I think they probably still get it anyway because uh, Josh Simmons just didn't have anybody to block the, the plays before they'd lined up in this power formation with three tight ends and Luke Montgomery in the game, trying to be old school, Wisconsin. You're not that you don't have to do that to get one yard, use those guys that you have so that they have to defend out wide, come up with ways to spread them out and still get a yard. I mean, look at how urban did it when they were here and it wasn't always perfect. And sometimes it was the quarterback run, but those were physical teams that ran out of shotgun spread formation, still threw the ball around to some degree. So you can get those tough yards, so to speak, by using what you have as your weapons. And that doesn't mean jet sweeps necessarily. Um, I think they should lean into that a little bit more than, than they have instead of trying to be something that they're not and, you know, be mentally tough, but you don't, you don't have to be power eye formations and whatnot to, to be tough and, you know, win at a major level. Great stuff from Patrick Murphy and Steve Hellwagon. I appreciate it, boys. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Again, we'll have interviews with a few Ohio State players after practice this evening, so keep it locked to Bucknuts for that. Thanks to Patrick. Thanks to Steve. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.